Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Talk It Out Podcast. This is your girl, Gabby. Joy. And KT. And we're back with another episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our last episode with Aubrey titled, I Am Not Black, I Am Biracial. Hit us up on social media, our Instagram at Talk It Out Podcast. Twitter at Talk It Out underscore pod. Remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Talk It Out, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Acast, wherever you can find a podcast, as well as tiopodcast.com slash episode. We have a very special guest. I say that every time, but we have a very special guest today. We have the, the YouTube sensation. We got Saran <laughs> over here, and we're going to have a very good time. If you ain't heard, uh, watch any of her videos, we'll put some links in the descriptions you can check her out but really good stuff so can you please uh tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do and your youtube channel and all that good stuff cool okay so hi i'm seren and i am a uh youtuber what we call a quote-unquote uh content creator uh i create digital content i'm also a writer um i write uh essays and um, I also self-published a book in 2015 that you guys can find on Amazon. And basically, uh, what I like to do is kind of find a lot of the bonds between race, politics, pop culture, media, uh, and kind of how all these things uh, interconnect and affect uh, our daily lives. Um, and I've been on YouTube creating video content since... 2014, so it'll be four years this August. I can't believe it. Uh, and yeah, for anybody that's interested, um, you can find me on YouTube. Um, the name of my channel is So About That. Uh, you can type that in and you'll find me. You can type in my name, Seren Sensei, and you'll find me. I'm also uh, Seren underscore Sensei on Twitter, on, I believe, Instagram. Um I am Seren with four S's on Snapchat if you want to like see what I'm eating. <laughs> but basically, I just I, I talk a lot about, again, like race and pop culture and politics and um, our capitalist society and the system of racism, white supremacy, and just how all these things kind of interconnect and affect us in our day to day lives. So, yeah, <laughs> I have been uh, watching your videos for a very long time. I, I don't know exactly when I think I was just about to get out of college and I found some video. It could have been on uh, white girls with braids. Some it was something like that. I don't know what it was, but ever since then, I've been hooked and I've been following you and um, I really enjoy your content and your work. And uh, we know our listeners will as well. So, yeah, of course, y'all go check her out and tell her that we sent you. All right, so let's get into this conversation. Seren, I know you talk a lot about cultural appropriation, and um, some of your views are um, quite controversial, some some might say. Um, but <laughs> can you give us like a, a, a little short abbreviated version of your definition of cultural appropriation? Because there's a lot of... Um, back and forth about what really defines culture appropriation. So how would you define that? Um, I personally feel like cultural appropriation is when someone that is not a part of a culture basically just kind of like grab bags at it. They take everything that they want from it, but they don't really know or understand like anything about the culture or what the backstory is behind the culture or what the backstory is behind the thing that they're taking, 
nine times out of 10, they're utilizing it for uh, what we would call like an aesthetic and aesthetic purposes, or, you know, it's just wanting to partake in all of like the, the fun of a culture without any understanding of like why that culture even exists or like what that culture might have been through that led to them creating that thing that you find is fun. You just want to take, you just want to take, 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 and take it for yourself. And I also think that a large part of cultural appropriation also involves basically what we would call like a dominant culture partaking in, you know, the non-dominant or the quote unquote submissive, if you want to use that word culture. Mm -hmm. And it's fine when the dominant culture does it, but when the non-dominant culture does it, it's a problem. It's ghetto or it's weird or something like that. Like that also is a big part of it as well. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, there, there's been a couple things happening over this, uh, this past month, and even into this month that has sparked the the conversation again about cultural appropriation. Now, there is the instance that is, you know, a lot of people can agree on. Like, um, well, I say a lot of people, but Kim Kardashian with the braids. Like on Twitter, pretty much everybody was saying, you know, that's pretty much cultural appropriation. Yeah, Kim Kardashian, except her, yeah. <laughs> What do you say about the people that say it's not really a big deal? So you just get on some braids yeah. and Bo Derek, Bo Derek, Bo Derek. Okay. Uh, I think that Kim Kardashian is a fucking asshole. Like, I think she, I mean, Kim Kardashian is an attention whore. So she needs all of them, that whole family. Basically, they do things so that people will fucking talk about them. So, and they also, everybody knows that they're fucking culture vultures, that they've made an entire career basically out of fighting and also out of being offensive. Like that is their shtick. Like I'm going to do the most offensive thing possible so that people will talk about it and so that people will talk about us and uh, just because Bo Derek had braids doesn't mean that it's not cultural appropriation. Like it was cultural appropriation when Bo Derek had braids also. So that really doesn't make too much sense as some type of like counter argument. Um, but as far as the Kardashians are concerned for me personally, it doesn't annoy me anymore because I just feel like that's their fucking shtick. Like that's yeah. their thing. And if we ignored them, I think they honestly would go away. That's just my personal opinion. Uh-huh. Everybody is like entitled to feel how they would want to feel about it. But like number one, what they want is attention. Right. So and nine times out of ten, we be the main ones like sharing and circulating. Cause like for example, I don't follow the Kardashians. I don't follow any people that follow them or are interested in them or anything like that. Yeah. So for me to even see that picture, it had to be something that somebody posted mad about it. But now you've just shared it, right? So now I've seen it. Maybe I would have never saw it. Maybe I would have never known. You hate her so much, but you just brought her to me, you Mm -hmm. know? So I I pretend they don't exist, honestly. (laughs) And Kim is like, Kim is like old now. She's not even like hot anymore. Like how she used to be like Kim and like the Bush, Kim and like the Reggie Bush, early Kanye days like at least she was like hot you could kind of understand people's fascination with her she's not even like hot anymore like you're old like go sit down with your three kids somewhere like <laughs> relax oh my gosh I'm just saying like fucking Get relax. I'm not saying you can't be a mom like whatever be a milf or whatever but like I don't care I don't want to look at your face anymore I agree it's been and- a long time of that bitch it's been like 10 years of her face 
That's true. And um, the the reason that I was um, that the reason that the thing that fascinated fascinated me about it was, you know. I know a lot of people, you you talk about Bruno Mars and you talk about culture appropriation and the stuff that he does. Hate that guy. But <laughs> these people what? were the same Bruno? people that said that he wasn't he wasn't participating in cultural appropriation, right? Cultural appropriation, y'all need to just let leave that in 2017, you know, so and so so and so. Kim Kardashian pops up with some cornrows or whatever she had in her head and everybody is is writing think pieces about it. I'm like That's because people love Bruno Mars and they yeah. let him get a pass for everything. Cuz they don't want to have to stop listening to his catchy ass music, so they let him get away <laughs> with it. But he's a cultural appropriator too. I hate he Bruno is. Mars. Non-black persons of color can also fucking culturally appropriate. Like, yes, definitely. Joy, you disagree? My mouth is agape right now. Like, really? I hate that guy. It really is. Just like I said in my video about him, Bruno Mars is like the world's most successful karaoke singer. Like, what he does yes. is oh my karaoke. God. It's karaoke. It's like, I'm going to do my best Prince impersonation. I'm going to do my best Michael Jackson impersonation. Not to say he's not talented, because he's talented. Like, he can sing and dance. He can put on a show, but it's not original. He's, like, not an original, unique artist. He's not making art. He's just reproducing things that already exist. And the reason why he's receiving so much acclaim for it is because he's not black. He's dabbling in these traditionally black genres and art forms. Like, Bruno Mars just won an album of the year Grammy for his, like, Prince, his like Prince impersonation, but you realize right. like Prince himself never won an album of the year Grammy. Like, and then I think about like I'm real deep in the the Memphis, uh, the Memphis music scene, and there's like a thousand cats doing funk music, or they have been doing funk music for like ten years, or have been doing quote unquote traditional R and B with the twist for like. 50 some years even young kids now doing it now they wouldn't even like they try to perform it and people are like because i am they wouldn't even get the time of day they wouldn't get the time of day never would never but because bruno mars he has the pop appeal you know he he's racially ambiguous then boom like oh he's like ambiguous it's it's a hoot yeah but black people love him they rush to defend him they do. They they were saying we were being too deep, saying, calling him out. Well, look, they were fight look, look. I want to you know. hear what Joy got to say. Go ahead, Joy. Stop! I I feel the judgment right now. But okay, look, I'm not a deep Bruno Mars fan at all. I'm not a deep Kim Kardashian fan. I don't watch the Kardashian show. But I just feel like the reason why. Being devil's advocate. First of all, I don't agree. I, I, <laughs> I love think <laughs> advocate. <laughs> I do. I love a devil's advocate. I'm normally the devil's advocate. <laughs> I, I think that the reason why Bruno Mars may be accepted more instead of Kim Kardashian is because Kim Kardashian is white. There's no, you know, pl- you know, mixing that. No playing with that. She's just pure. White. So when you talk cultural appropriation, 
it's easier for people to see that and easier for people to understand, hey, yeah, she's culturally appropriating because she's white. And it's not because she appreciates the culture. It's just for attention. Now, Bruno Mars, you can't tell that if he is, because I can't tell that he's culturally appropriating because he's, well, not black, but he's Latina. And um, <laughs> but he is of <laughs> he's a person of color, so it's it's hard for people to associate him with cultural appropriation. I agree you with see? that. Yeah, okay. I, I don't disagree with I don't disagree with that. Um, I agree that because he is a person of color, that makes it kind of like. It's it's always it's always easy. Like I I feel like I said the same thing in my most recent video about Bruno Mars. I was like, it's easy to like we've all kind of reached the point right now for the most part to say like, okay, white people like white people are fucking up. Like we can uh-huh. all kind of be in agreement. But when we start talking about maybe like non-black persons of color or even like some of the things that's going on within our communities with colorism and stuff like that it starts getting a little bit more murky because it's always easy to point the finger at somebody else rather than have to examine your own communities or the communities of people that you feel are close to you like maybe other non-black people of color right but exactly doesn't really change what bruno mars is doing which is dabbling in majority black historically historically black excuse me art forms as a non-black person of color as a racially ambiguous person as somebody that's clearly not black i look at it me i didn't know he was clearly not black amongst people of color that i feel especially black people that i feel like generally have a lot of like really wildly various ideas of what it means to look black or look like a person of color it's a little bit different in my opinion but i feel like to white people bruno mars is obviously non-black and i feel like the issue as always is blackness the issue is blackness like mm-hmm. we they want we want our black culture without black bodies so that could be a white person that could be a non-black person of color it really doesn't matter i just need a non-black just like K-pop, K-pop, yeah. which is huge based off of like black American rap and R&B culture. Like those are Koreans. They're people of color, but they're obviously not black. It's like we want it from a non-black person. As long as you can give it to me from a non-black person, I don't care if he's Filipino. I don't care if he's Korean. I don't care if he's white. I don't care. I just want it from a non-black person. I think for us, for black people... That can be confusing because for a lot of us, we do think in terms of like black and white because our dichotomy, especially here in the United States, tends to be a black and white dichotomy that once a non-black person of color gets introduced, it can be confusing. Like, is it still cultural appropriation if they're not white? But it is because the real issue is blackness. As long as they're not black, that's all that matters. And that's how I feel about Bruno. And I think that Bruno knows this and I think that he does it on purpose. I don't think he doesn't know like he knows of course yeah and and that's it kind of gets deeper because 
you know, we kind of just think of, oh, it's just party songs or whatever. But, you know, if we think about just living in America and the way that a lot of black people make it is through entertainment, especially sports and music, which we're trying to change. But that's just the way that it is. Now, if we're allowing everybody to, to come in and capitalize off of our sound and things that we're doing that we do better and allowing them to make all this money off of it so that there's no need for us, then it's like we're going to get lost in the history just like we did with jazz and, and the rock and roll or whatever. Like, it's so easy for them to, like, you can see it now. Like, before you know it, r and is going to be, like, white boys and some Korean people and some, you know. <laughs> what's that What's that rapping guy? What's that rapping guy? What rapping guy? The rapping guy who was, who's, like, accused of, um, with the, the minor. Oh, you talk about um six nine? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Isn't he not black? What is a six nine? His name, I think, right? Yes, yes his nine. Yeah. I have no idea. Anyway, he's I weird. He but yeah. black. I don't think he was biracial. Is he biracial? He's biracial. Yeah. I thought he was pretty. No, I'm pretty no, sure. Never mind. But you know what I mean. Uh, I know he's accused of like raping a thirteen year old. That's right. And he looks white to me. What? But what do you feel about uh, Cardi B? Because uh, there was a video that uh, was reposted that I think Gabby reposted. Uh, Cardi B was basically saying that um, it was okay for white people to say the N-word as long as they were saying it in a quote-unquote nice way. So uh, how do you feel about Cardi B uh, or people really in general uh, allowing non-black people to basically say the N-word? I think that nobody has the power to speak for the entire black delegation uh, that I think people can only speak for themselves, which is why I always like to say me personally, like I will probably say that a hundred times during this conversation because we can only speak for ourselves. It really doesn't matter how Cardi B feels about it. Cardi B says that. And then one of her white fans says the N word around the wrong person and gets socked in the face. Like Cardi B not going to pick you up off the floor. So she can't speak for the, like I said, the black delegation. People can only speak for themselves. If she is personally not fine, I mean, if she's personally not bothered by it, if she's fine with it, that's on her. But she can't speak for all of us because if a white person say that around me, we're going to have a problem. So I have a question. It's about Cardi B for us, Ren. Now, she was born in the Bronx, New York, you know, but she's not black. She's Dominican and uh, Trinidad, I think, or something like that. So basically, I don't know. I want to say Latina, but then I don't want to group. So I'm just going to say Dominican and Trinidad. You think Dominican and Trinidadians are automatically not black? What'd you say? I said, do you think Dominicans and Trinidadians are automatically not black? No, but she 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 doesn't claim to be black. She she didn't she didn't call herself black. She says that she is she well she's called herself in an interview Hispanic. Well, I don't follow Cardi B like I used to. I used to be a really huge Cardi B fan like back in the day uh, when I was living in New York. Um, I used to follow Cardi B on Instagram when she was just like a really funny stripper from the mm-hmm. Bronx. And so this was maybe like five or six years ago, maybe like, let's say five years ago. 
Because, like, Cardi B was just, like, a stripper with, like, a lot of personality that didn't take herself too seriously, which everybody liked and had a really good sense of humor. But she also was, like, really smart and said a lot of really interesting things on her Instagram, which was how she ended up becoming, like, a personality and got on Love & Hip Hop. And now she's, like, a rapper. Uh, Exactly. But my question is, like, if... I'm going to get there. Back in the day... Cardi B always used to say she was black. Like, that's all she used to say was that she was black. Like, she's black. And that she's a black Hispanic or a black Latinx person. And she used to talk all the time on Instagram, all the time, put whole videos about racism in the Latinx community, about how Latinx people don't be wanting to claim their blackness, about how they talk about bad hair, nappy hair. She used to say all the time, like, I have nappy hair and, like, up the teeth and like I'm like a black woman and like this is my experience that used to be like her thing like all the time she never used to wear weaves she always just wear her hair in braids she used to be like I hate wearing weaves like I prefer to have my hair in braids like she was like a hardcore I'm black now, okay and I can't talk about whatever her image is now now that she's like you know famous and she's signed to a major label and has people advising her on what to say and do and how to act and what to claim and what not to claim. I'm sure she's been advised that being more racially ambiguous would be better for her career, which is, excuse me, which is true, considering we were just talking about that the problem is blackness. But Cardi B did used to claim all the time that she was black. Now, if that's changed, I don't know. But you can't say that she never claimed blackness because that's not true. Obviously. Yeah, I don't know about never because I just... Just got into Cardi B like three or four months ago. Like, that's it. As far as we know, Cardi B's black. And speaking of black people and black people doing things, let's get into a uh, black business. Um, you know, there's always every time you scroll down Instagram or go on some onks page, they always talking about supporting black business and how black businesses are important. And, you know, you know, all that good stuff. Um, Saran, what what is your what is your view on black businesses? I think okay. Well, number one, I'm like the black business plug. I'm super heavy into black businesses. The last Friday of every month on my channel, I do a black owned business unboxing mm-hmm. uh, and review, which I've been doing going on like three years now. So I've reviewed a lot of black owned businesses. I basically um, use whatever I can use that's black owned. I try to buy from a black owned business. So like my soap, my toilet paper, my toothbrush, my lotion, my hair products, like paper towels, my everything that I, if I can find it from a black owned business and I can probably find literally anything you would ever want. I Hmm. can find it at a black owned business. Mm So I'm super into black owned businesses. I think that uh, it's really important to support our own. Number one, uh, I am, I'm not into like, I'm an anti-capitalist. So I think that capitalism is like not sustainable as a system, but we currently do live in a capitalist society where basically money talks and bullshit walks. So you have to talk with your money. Like, you just have to talk with your money. That's the society that we live in. So I see something like, you know, people causing this like big outrage over like Dove, you know, oh, Dove is, is racist. They have racist ads, which 
Dove is, you know, their parent company is Unilever, which is like a notoriously fucking racist, like European conglomerate. So it's like, well, I'm going to buy Dove. I already wasn't buying Dove, but like, I'm not going to buy Dove because every time I spend my money on a Dove product, that's my money going towards supporting a racist ass company, H&M. Like that's my money going towards supporting that. So the most important thing I can do in a capitalist society is speak with my capital, which is my cash. So I feel like it's really important to support black owned businesses just for the simple fact of I'm taking my, my money out of this white, these white conglomerates and I'm at least trying my best to recirculate it, you know, and support business owners that look like, like me. Um, Cause again, in a capitalist society, Money talks and bullshit walks, you can't ignore a superpower. So once we uh, invest our money, we divest our money from white communities and white businesses and invest in ourselves and build up to superpower status, you can't, you can look me in my face and call me a nigger all you want, but you can't deny my fucking superpower status of of if I own this company. Like, it's just not, you're going to want to do business with me because money talks. So you have to unlearn the stereotypes about yourself and about your own people before you can even get to the point of like, yeah, I'm going to like exclusively support black owned businesses and stuff. Um, And I think a lot of people aren't there yet. And a lot of people aren't even really aware of it. So how can you even start if you don't know what the problem is? Um, And I also think that we live in a culture in general and this is not just black people, just in general, our American capitalist culture. It's a gimme, gimme, gimme culture. Like, I want it. I want it now. I want it quick. I want it easy. I want it cheap. And yeah. so when you go to Walmart and you buy, you know, 89 cent Dove soap, like, yes, it's quick. It's easy. It's cheap. But like, you paid for that somewhere else. Um, be it that you just supported child labor or be it that you just supported a company that fucking keeps their employees on welfare because they don't want to pay them a living wage. Like that money that allows you to pay 69 cents for it comes, you know, somewhere else. So it's, it's an attitude adjustment. It's a, it's a lifestyle change of like, maybe I'm going to spend a little bit more money going to the black owned business. Right. And that was something I was going to ask you because, um, I watch another popular black YouTuber and um, a lot of her conversations have to deal with, you know, the, the the state of black wealth and how, you know, we don't have connections to certain things. And um, for some people, buying black is it seemed like it was going to be a, a harder sacrifice. Like you said, Walmart is cheap. It's convenient. It's right next door. You don't have to really look hard for it. And, you know, sometimes going to those black businesses means paying an extra dollar or two. So um, what would you say to those people? The people that are saying, you know, it's too expensive. I really want to um, support black businesses. Like, do you have any, are there any other alternatives or is it just, you know, you kind of got to bite the bullet and just, going on and do it before before you answer Seren, i do want to add that i feel like i kind of want to go with what gabby is saying and i feel like sometimes that's not like a viable option for some people especially if you're living uh, in poverty or you don't have access to the internet or you don't have access to certain things like that so uh i just wanted to kind of go off what gabby was saying Right. Well, on my channel, I actually talk about this a lot. Uh, I have tons of videos on, obviously, black businesses and capitalism and lifestyles and being pro-black. And I do say all the time on my channel, yet again, I'm only speaking for myself. 
I can't tell anybody else what to do. Obviously only do what you can do. I would never like shame anyone about not being able to buy black or anything like that. Um, which is also why I said there's a lot of different factors that do go into it. Um, and yeah, obviously you can only do what you can. If you can only afford 69 cent Dove soap from Walmart, then you can only afford 69 cent Dove from soap from Walmart. Like that's all you can do. Um, so I don't think that anybody has to try and like push themselves to do shit that they can't afford. But I think if you're able to, there are a lot of people that are able, they're totally right. able to do it. And, um, and I also think that you can maybe, um, even if it's just, I'm going to pick one thing, like, I'm just going to pick one thing, whatever mm -hmm. my one thing is that I'm going to do, even if that's, I, I don't know, you can just pick something like mm -hmm. I'm going to pick my one thing. I can't, I can't afford, I have three kids and they wash their asses like every day. And I just like can't <laughs> afford to spend more than 69 cents on soap, but maybe I can buy when I have to buy them a winter coat. Cause I have to buy them a winter coat every year. Maybe I take my winter coat money that I maybe have saved up and I like buy that winter coat from a black owned business. Especially okay. when you start getting into the like those type of items, like coats and shoes and stuff like that. A lot of that stuff actually is comparable. I think that it's also a misconception that when you shop from black owned businesses or small businesses in general, that like the prices are like astronomically higher like you really don't know until you start looking around mm -hmm. and actually you know businesses and looking at price points i am not fucking rich like i cannot afford to just be like spending mad money on like random ass shit but there are certain things that i can buy i bought a four pack of toothbrushes for like five dollars or mm -hmm. something like now i like i have to buy it online but i think that they're actually available in different stores now too and also kind of getting into that yet again, like there's tons of black owned businesses and brands that are actually available in Target, that are available in Walmart, that are available in Rite Aid, that are available in Walgreens and Sally's Beauty Supply Store. But you have to look. Yeah. And that's like another another kind of um, sub, you know, sub issue, I guess, of living in a racist white supremacist society is that the white stuff is like easy. Like that's mm -hmm. again, like that's the big like that's the stuff that we know. We know Dove as a brand. We know Pepsi as a brand. We know, you know, we know Colgate as a brand, but maybe we don't know Coral Oral as a brand. They might even have a comparable price point. I might even see them in Target, but I don't know that they're black owned or, you know, right, like we right. just don't have because all of our knowledge revolves around whiteness. So, but even that, that's like an extra step. You have to research, you have to look, you have to look around. And, and that can be difficult as well, like you were just saying, for people that don't have internet access and things like that. So obviously all you can do is all you can do. Um, but I do still think that it's important. And, and yet again, you have people that can afford it. You have people that can totally afford to invest and don't because they just don't feel like it or because they have, again, like negative stereotypes and, and things like that. Like, I think of it sometimes because it doesn't really dawn on people. Like, people aren't really thinking uh, of that every day. Like, for me at least, 
Like, as a poor person, I'm less likely to, yeah, I mean, and I'm white on top of that. Like, as a poor white person, like, I'm less likely to just think of that. Even though, like, I definitely would love to buy um, black products and I would love to do all of that. I just don't, like, as a, I, yeah, as a white person, that doesn't, that doesn't pop in my head. And I don't know why. I guess, like you said, because we live in such a white dominated society and all of our lives, we've been shown these um, ads and everything that just basically says, by this white is right. Yeah. yeah. So that's or the norm. Yeah, yeah, that's the norm. Right, 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 right. And then even as a black person, I, I'm hard. thinking about that now. Like, I, when I'm going shopping, I'm not thinking, is this a black? And I'm supposed to be like this. So, so I can, I can see that, but you have to kind of train your mind to think that way. Um, because I would want somebody to support my business. I want people to support my business. So I need to actively be conscious of that every, everywhere I go. Yeah, that's why I said it's it's almost like it's really like a, it's like an action. It's, it's like, it's not really something that you can just like, do and then stop doing. I don't know if I'm like explaining it well, but mm-hmm. it's like an action. It's like something you kind of have to actively keep on doing um, and like unlearning and 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 it's a constant unlearning. Like I still catch myself all the time uh, doing certain things. It's a con- it's a constant process, and that's also why I say it's a lifestyle a lifestyle and a lifestyle yeah. change because it's like I don't wake up in the morning and think about going to the gym. But it's people that, you know, they wake up every morning at 5 a.m. And the first thought in their head is like, I got to let go get my run or right. I got to let go. You know, they kind of trained themselves to to do that. So it's it is it's like a train. You have to train. You have to unlearn and and train your brain. And yeah, for me, it's like I'm in the store. I'm like looking at the labels, even if it's like a black person on the label. Right, right. I will Google like, is this black <laughs> like. I'm I'm really uh, uh you know all about the pro pro black and I try to shop especially for my hair because I know a lot of people it's like well we can get Cantu for this or this for that and then I'm like well this is easy too and it works just as well and plus it's black it's a black owned business and one thing I have noticed is that like for example my uh I have a scrub that I use that I know is completely white owned. It's not black at all. And like, but it works for me. And when I tried a, uh, another scrub from a black owned business, she's like, I make all everything myself. It's all natural ingredients. And I was like, okay, this is great. But it wasn't as good of a quality as what I was used to. And she kind of shamed me a little bit. She was like, but you'll go buy theirs, but you can't buy ours. I'm like, well, I did buy yours. Yours just wasn't as good of a quality. That doesn't mean I'm not going to support you or trying to support you. I'm just letting you know, hey, maybe you want to think about this. Why mm-hmm. add more add more sea salt in it, in it or something. But don't blame me because I gave your product a try and it didn't work. Yeah. I still get my hair products from the lady down the street who owns a uh, who owns her own business and it's black owned and she, and she's trying to get it, you know, nationally. I buy her, I buy her products because they work. I shouldn't be expected. Like my, I know this personally, but one of my friends, she took an, this similar experience 
and she ran with it. So now she's like, I just support who I want to support. And what do you say to those people who shame you for not buying a product that's of lesser quality? I don't think that anyone should be shamed for anything, <laughs> which is why that's I always say, me, myself, <laughs> I don't think that anybody should be shamed for anything. You can't force anybody to do anything. Uh, we all have autonomy. Everybody has to make their own choices and decide what works for them. Maybe the scrub didn't work for you. Maybe something else will work for you. Maybe, you know, maybe you'll continue using the scrub that you like and maybe you'll find like a black on toothpaste that you like. So now you like, I don't think it has to be. I don't really think anything has to be like so in terms of binary, like either you buy these products or you're like a shitty person. I don't think it's like that clear cut. Um, And I definitely don't think that people have to buy products that they don't like or watch movies that they don't want to watch or watch TV shows that they don't want to watch or read books that they don't want to watch or support people that they really don't give a fuck about just because they're black. I really don't believe in that. Um, I think that everybody has to figure things out that work works for them. And if something is working for you that is white owned, I definitely would not tell you to stop using it and use something that doesn't work for you just because it's black owned. Like I feel like that doesn't make sense. However, I would say, However, on the flip side of that, I wouldn't say that like just because I'm not saying that this is what you did, but I'm not saying I I wouldn't say that just because that one scrub didn't work means that like all black owned scrubs won't work. Exactly. You have to kind of keep on trying. And and that's with any skincare product. Right. right. Exactly. But my question, it was kind of more for my friend, because I know, you know, I know to keep trying until I get something that works for me and that I can be morally comfortable with because I don't want to buy from a a company that I know doesn't really care about me I you know I try to buy everything from from black companies that has to do with my skin and my hair personally but my friends I don't want to say her name because she listens to the podcast but she is I'm not gonna say her name (laughs) KT trying to get me in trouble but no like she on Twitter she's just (laughs) an all or nothing kind of person no, <laughs> she's so just all of nothing. Now your friend, kind of person, she's like, "Well, I'm not gonna do it." You see, he just shamed us for not doing this. He always, why, why do I feel the need to judge? Calm your nerves. I want to let her know it's not that serious because I know she's gonna listen. I'm talking to her, and you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Calm your nerves. We're talking about it's you. not that serious. <laughs> just keep finding another product until it, you find what works for you. And something that can be morally okay with you because I know you want to support black businesses. Okay, hun? Thanks. I think she got it. And I also think that that's also a part of a lot of our internalized anti-blackness is that I tried a black product. I didn't like it or it didn't work for me or I didn't feel like the quality was up to par. So instead of trying another one, I'm going to say that all black owned products are like that. That's like something very unique because we don't do that with like, again, like white owned products because white owned products are everywhere. It's not like, oh, I didn't like the St. Ives scrub, so I'm not going to use any of the scr- I'm not going to use the clear cell scrub. I'm not going to use the Neutrogena scrub. I'm not going to use the clean and clear because they're all white owned. So I'm not using none of them. Like, no, we're going to keep trying until we find one that we like. But with the black owned business, it's the complete opposite where we just going to like completely stop. And again, that's because we have already internalized preconceived notions about black people, about ourselves, 
and about our business acumen and our product, you know, that, that we've picked up from the society. So again, before you even like start trying black owned businesses for a lot of us, we have to already like remove a lot of that shit or be in the process of removing it or else we will never be satisfied because we already have like a bad idea in our minds. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's huh? Girl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's go to this next question. Seren, I really enjoy the, the hidden figures segment that you have on your YouTube page. I enjoy watching that whenever you post it. How important since we're in um Black History Month, whoop whoop. Since we're in Black History Month, how important do you think it is to elevate those stories of black women? Uh I think it's super important. Um I introduced that series last Black History Month, so February 2017, mm-hmm. because I had actually just seen the Hidden Figures movie. It was out, I believe, in January, February of last year. And I was just really inspired. So I was like, well, for Black History Month, I had already been thinking about doing daily videos. So I was like, I'm going to do daily videos, a different hidden figure every day. Mm-hmm. And people responded really positively to it. So even after the month was over, I continued the series. I do it every other Wednesday. And of course, Now we're in Black History Month again, so I'm doing daily hidden figures again. One of the main reasons why I like that series is because so often, uh, since in addition to living in a racist, white supremacist society, we also do live in a sexist patriarchy, is that a lot of the times when when we talk about Black History Month and when we talk about just the achievements of Black people, we focus on men. Um, You know, we talk about... Benjamin Banneker and mm-hmm. Martin Luther King and Franz Fanon and Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali and um, Fred Hampton Jr. You know, all these in- people that are amazing, you know, incredible James Baldwin, people that are amazing. But like a lot of these people worked literally like hand in hand with like black women, black mm-hmm. women, activists, writers, artists, historians, you know, literally working hand in hand with them. And yet we don't hear about the women we only hear about the men because again sexism and patriarchy so i think it's important um to talk about black women and to highlight black women's achievements in history and our place in history because we were there and i also think that's an important way to combat the system of racism white supremacy as well because generally black means male means a man yeah and woman means white So, you know, women are white, like even when they say, oh, women, quote unquote, got the right to vote in 1920. No, that that was white women, like Mm -hmm. black women, the right to vote until later. Native women didn't get the right to vote until later, you know. So we talk about the achievements of women and we're talking about white, white people. And when we talk about the achievements of black people, most of the time we're talking about men. And black women are kind of left out of the conversation entirely. So I think that even the whole concept of like hidden figures is is really, really strong and empowering and, and something that I super appreciate um, the movie and the book and, you know, what inspired the series that I do now. I think it's super important because we're left the fuck out all the time. <laughs> but yeah, even now, because, you know, it's- Twitter is just a wonderful place. You know, people, they're all, they say black, hashtag Black Lives Matter, and they forget that black women are the ones that started it. Black queer women are the ones that, that started it. They're, they're talking crap about black women, talking crap about LGBT people when they're the ones that actually started the freaking movement. So, 
hashtag the hashtag me too movement which has become yep. like the face of white women talking about their rapes was started by a black, a black woman. woman shout out to them and um oscar so oscar so white was started by a black woman and oscar uh, so white. um lots of stuff i mean we're doing it trending topics like literally have been started by black women that we just completely forget about yeah, it's important. We deval- we're devalued. It's like we're black and we're women. That's like two strikes. And God forbid if you're not straight. God forbid if you're not able-bodied. That's three right. strikes and you're like, <laughs> You're literally you out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like if you're, if, you're, if you're a black man, it's like you're black and that sucks. But, like, at least you're a man. Right. If you're a white woman, it's like you're a woman and that sucks. But at least you're still white. Mm-hmm. For us, it's like we we're like at the bottom, you know? So we really have to, uh, I, I do think it's important to like highlight black women. Like we're fucking here, you know? We are. And, um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you're a black woman. You, you speak out about a lot of things. You speak out about capitalism and, and sexism and racism and all types of things, which make you, I would, suppose a big target on youtube and social media um can you talk a little bit about some of the negatives that come with speaking out about these certain things and what you do for i guess maybe self-care or to combat these type of negative things uh towards you what do you do about the haters long story short. <laughs> <laughs> the haters uh let's see i don't really care I don't care. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get to me because I don't care. I feel like <laughs> some people will say that this like makes me an asshole, I guess, but I feel like I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know what I'm talking about, so I don't care. Like, you know, you want to sit and argue that like colorism is like not a real thing, for example. I'm just using that as an example. Mm-hmm. You want to sit and argue that colorism is not a real thing. Like, well, fine. You can go right ahead. I know that colorism is a real fucking thing. Like there have been numerous fucking sociological studies that like look at the data and like mm-hmm. like like it's a real thing. So you saying whatever you want to say about me because of the things that I'm talking about, you know, they scared you or they hurt your feelings. Number one, most of the time that's just like I kind of even look at it as like encouragement. Like I'm it's bothered you so much because it got under your skin, you're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. If Things that don't get under your skin, you just scroll right right on by. But the fact that you took your time to like leave me this comment or send me a nasty email or go look up my Twitter or Instagram, like what I said <laughs> got to you, you're probably going to be laying in bed tonight thinking about it, like about something that a stranger on the internet said. So like I, it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me or fuck with me. It just makes me feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause I'm, even if people are getting upset and angry, I'm still like making them think impacting them. Um, and I would also say that the love that I receive, I would say far outweighs anything negative, any type of hate. The majority of the hate is just from like, white people on YouTube, mm-hmm. people that like response videos and they try to troll me, download, troll me, flag me, report me, leave nasty comments. I mean, and that does suck, but it's just like nothing you could do about like white people. That's just like, you know, yeah. that's just how they act. Like there's nothing you could do about it. Uh, and then of course, I also feel like the internet has a lot of really good tools that people feel uncomfortable with utilizing. Like you can block 
everywhere. You can block on Twitter. Yeah. They've like really improved their like block function too. You can block on Instagram. You can block on Tumblr. You can block people on YouTube and they can't comment anymore. A lot of people feel bad about blocking. They want to try to engage with people, change their minds. But it's certain things that I'm just like, this is like, I'm not even gonna. Yeah. Like I have to engage with somebody that leaves a comment that says like nigger or something like block. <laughs> like bye. You're gone. I'm deleting this comment. Like being aware and cognizant of the fact that you don't have to engage with everybody mm-hmm. that like to like your internet sphere or whatever, I think is probably like the number one most important thing, especially for like women on the internet and especially like black women on the internet, women of color, because a lot of the times women are socialized to think that we have to engage with everybody. We have to talk and we have to be nice and we have to be polite and we can't be hostile and we can't be aggressive and we can't uh-huh. block. But once you get to the point of like, oh, actually, I don't have to fucking talk to you. It <laughs> is like life changing. I saw a quote that's been going around that's like, you don't have to talk to people that are like committed to misunderstanding you. You don't have to deal with concern trolls, people that like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, explain to me about why oh, yeah. racism. Like, Google slavery. Like, look it up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a question, and then I'm, I'm I don't. This is the only question I have. So, I, I I I don't know if you listen to our podcast a lot, but I'm mostly the one who's like, well, I think we should, you know, get along and all of this. And then they're like, like get along, yeah, like well, not get along, but you know, I think I always feel like it can be an opportunity where we don't have to, you know, fight or where it's okay to, you know, let them give, give some of you, give some of your culture, not take some of yours. Let's all learn about each other so that we can um, understand each other. And they call it a kumbaya because they're like, eh, not going to happen. But it's this lady, you know, Jane Elliott, you know who she was, the um, yeah, blue eyed brown eyed. Yeah, the blue eye experiment for people who don't know. And she took she calls herself a diversity uh, teacher. And I just feel like what she does is super important because it lets people know who are not of a minority. That this is how this is how people who are minorities get treated. And then the real raw experience experiences that are shown in her um experiments are like the people are upset and they're horrified and they're like not gonna you know they just so don't want this to happen this to be to be wrong about what they believe about minorities and it it can cause me to be like well maybe everybody can't always get along but what do you say to those people who say well I don't believe in diversity as far as people of minorities ever getting along and being on an equal level of white people. Um, that's how I feel. I don't believe. I don't believe. It's not called segregate quote unquote segregation. We uh, it's separatism. Like we're separatists. I'm a separatist for sure. Um, I don't believe Well, number one, I feel like the system of racism, white supremacy, that's like a white people problem. Like white people invented it. 
white people have to like deal with it. You mentioned Jane Elliott, like for anybody that doesn't know, that's not familiar. Jane Elliott is white. So like number one, to even number one, to even like have that conversation of like, this is how, you know, people that are different from you minorities feel. You have to be talking to a room full of people that are willing to listen, people that are susceptible, like all those people sticking with the Jane Elliott example, they were in a race workshop, like they knew exactly where they were. So you exactly. already have a whole subset of people that never would have gone there. So those people that are already there, they kind of already halfway have their foot in the door. But that's not most people. That's not most white people, in my opinion. That's not the majority of them. Um, that's like a drop in the bucket, the people that will even go. And then you even see, like you just said, even out of the people that go, Jane Elliott has had people, because I'm really familiar with her work. She has people all the time that walk out. Like, you know, they burst into exactly. tears. They burst into tears and walk out because they can't take it. Like, they can't deal with it. And yeah. like, that's, that's the issue. Like, white people can't deal with it. They can't take it. Uh, Robin D'Angelo, who is white, a white doctor, she has uh, this theory called white fragility, which is that, again, you know, we're socialized in this environment that really makes white people believe all of them, all, yeah, hashtag, yes, all white people, which is my hashtag that I made up, all of them are socialized and conditioned to, to believe certain things. And so are we, like, that mm -hmm. white is the norm. It's the standard that they that they deserve certain things, that they should have certain things, you know, jobs and opportunities, and that if they're not getting what they want, it's not fair and, right. and, and all type of stuff. And to even have the conversation about it, you have to be dealing with people that are halfway susceptible to the conversation, which most of them aren't. And studies have also shown that white people, by and large, do not feel empathy for black people. And they don't want to listen to anybody that's not white. So Jane Elliott can talk to them because she's white. Yeah. I'm not white. They're not going to listen to me. They're already coming into the conversation looking at me as a fucking monkey. So why would you listen to what a monkey says, right? Like, they, they got to deal with that shit themselves. That's not my job. That's not my responsibility. The studies have shown that even if I wanted to, nine times out of ten, I wouldn't even be able to do it as a black person. Like, that's a white people fucking problem. They need to, like, go amongst themselves in the mountains or somewhere. But you don't think if we're not concerned yeah. about it that they won't ever be concerned about it? That the cycle... White people are never going to about it as long as they're benefiting from white privilege but there are but there are some but there are some because that's that's like saying kt's not concerned about black people but we know that she is that she's an i would hope from her speech it seems like that she is white privilege as a whole then it will matter which is why it's starting to matter now because you see white people that are getting hooked on opioids you see white people that are not able to get a job that's why they care now because it's affecting them now. Black That's people true. have always been black people have always been the canary oh. in the coal mine. So like the drug shit hit us first. The no job shit hit us first. But when that shit was hitting us, it was like, oh, the niggas are crackheads, lock them up, we're on drugs, mass incarceration. Oh, the niggas don't have jobs. Oh, welfare queens, da 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 da. But now that, that shit is trickling down to white people, now it's oh, drugs is a fucking mental health illness. Don't lock them up. Oh, it's no more jobs. We need to start thinking about alternatives. Nothing matters in white people. So why 
should I go out of my way to try to fucking have a conversation with them about some shit that they created and that's their fucking problem? To me, I don't feel like that makes sense. Especially when, again, studies have shown that like nine times out of ten, I'm now nine times out of ten. So there's that one white person that maybe will get it. But the other nine are going to look at me like I am a fucking nigger. They're not going to listen. They're not going to care. So that's not even good odds, nine out of ten. So I'm going to shoot myself nine times on the off chance that that one white person is going to get it. Those are not, those odds are not in my favor. If this was the Hunger Games, I would be dead. So I do not believe that it is the job <laughs> of any black person to explain anything to any white person ever. It's on them. Well, it- Problem. It might not be your job, but I do you. Okay, never mind. Because I, I guess I'm just hopeful. I'm there, it's a lovely sentiment. I don't begrudge you your sentiment. I know a lot of people feel the same way that you do. I just don't, and I think that the white people that do get it are like a proverbial drop in the bucket. Like, there's a lot of fucking white people in the United States. Like, they are still the majority, and there are so many white people living in the Rust Belt living in the Midwest, living in all these places that have never met a black person, that have never seen a black person. It's like urban legends and myths. You are not going to, like, I'm sorry that I have to be the one to, like, say it, but, like, you're not going to reach that person. Like, they don't, they are not even going to understand what you're talking about. They have to have those conversations amongst themselves, with each other, with their own friends and family. They, It's like white culture is fucked up. And we all grow up. And well, I get that. I, you, you won't, you won't, you know... You won't reach everyone. However, I think instead of being that person that says, not you per se, but there are people who are that person that's like, well, they're they're never going to get it. I'm not going to talk about it. But I, I think if I'm asked to talk about it or if I'm in that situation where I can't have the time to say something, I'm not going to go out of my way to do anything. But if I happen to find myself in that situation, then I can say, hey, well, this is what I feel like. Even though they might not receive me, I feel like a bug has been planted. So the next time that they hear another person talk about that, they can say, well, that's what she said. And I didn't agree with her. And then some you can feed you can feed off that. I think a bug has been planted, and I think that if we as a people give up and are like, well, they're never gonna get us. We should never be a part of them. We should never um, like we're never gonna be on equal landing. So let's just be separate. Then it's not gonna change anything. So I want to add to what you're you're saying, you guys. So um. Like as a as a white person, Joy, I just want to let you know that like I don't feel like it's your place to be educating other white people about uh, black issues. Just like I don't feel as if it is queer people to be the person to educate straight people about queer issues. I feel like they should do their own research. And if you really cared and if you really wanted to look into um, certain situations and you wanted to go over those type of things, you would do your own research and and look on that. Uh, white people who ask you questions like that are not inquisitive and they're not trying to ask you questions because they want to know. They're doing that to infuriate you and make you feel bad about yourself. Um and I just say that from my own experience, especially coming from 
like a racist home and my mom even even today like if I say something about uh queer women or black women or anything like that like going for them then my mom always has to come back with something that is like basically going against what I'm saying as to be yeah yeah she's kind of playing the devil's advocate that's what white people do when you say something to them and then they come back with a question quote unquote they are playing devil's advocate they're just trying to get a row out of you that's it you're not going to get across to them I feel as if it is other white people's place uh, me being one to educate those white people and you that should definitely not be something that you have to go through and have to educate other well, white people about but that's just what i think saying, but if you've never but well, what if i get what you're saying and i agree with you but the white person who is educating other white people on problems of minority only feels that way because a black person took the time to get to know them because they were involved in black culture or no, um, people of minority no. culture. No. Most of the time, because I, I don't think a white person just randomly ups and says, a white person who's been living in suburbia all their life, who's not have any problems, is just randomly up and says, hey, these black people have problems too. No, there's some white people, there are some white people that get it. What I what I wanted to say was that getting back to like Robin D'Angelo and her theory of white fragility is that even the concept, even the idea of like, I need to like hold a white person's hand and like walk them through understanding racism, even that is a part of this concept of white fragility and white privilege. Yeah. Nobody held my hand and walked me through being fucking black. I had to figure it out. And there are some white people that did not have their hand held by a black person to figure it out. They figured it the fuck out on themselves. They learned, they learned, they did their week of learning about American chattel slavery. They were curious. They went and read about it. They figured it out. People figure shit out for themselves every single day on this earth. Literally, no one walked me through being black. Nobody, nobody. So why do I have oh to- Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I have to hold the hand of a white person and walk them through racism? Oh, well, a black person has to explain to them and tell them, no, that's white privilege. Not racism, diversity. That's white privilege. That's white privilege. Why? They're the majority in this country. Why do I have to walk them through fucking diversity? Like, and I know it sounds like I'm mad. This is just the way that I talk. I'm really not mad. Like, I'm chilling. Okay, I was about to say, are you? <laughs> I can't see, like, y'all can't see my face, but this is just the way that I always talk. But it's just like, no, like, why do I have to do that? Again, that's white fragility. That's white privilege. That's this idea that white people deserve certain things that the rest of us don't get. Nobody has to walk a fucking Chinese American through being a Chinese American and learning about Chinese internment camps and the Transcontinental Railroad. Nobody walks fucking fucking El Salvadorians and, and fucking Mexicans through learning about how they used to be indigenous people and then they got fucking conquered and spread out all over. Like nobody walks us through understanding American chattel slavery and how black Americans literally were fucking kidnapped and like brought over here. Nobody holds our hand and walks us through that. So even this idea of like, I need to like hold a white person by the hand and explain to them because otherwise, how are they going to know? It's 2018. They better read a fucking book. It's all type of books. <laughs> like, if you want to learn, the knowledge is out there. But again, white people feel privileged. Like they don't got to do shit and everything's supposed to be given to them. And I fully reject that notion in like, 
every aspect of my life. I'm not holding a white person's hand through nothing. Like it's just not happening. And if that means that shit never changes, then that means that shit never changes. That's not my responsibility. I didn't even ask to be in this fucking country dealing with this shit. So it's not my responsibility. That's just really how I feel. And I feel no type of way about if I'm going to go fucking live by myself with the other Negroes and never see another white person again in my life. That doesn't make me sad. It doesn't make me upset. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., which is a majority black city. I barely even grew up knowing any motherfucking white people. So I really don't care. And like, and my question to you in response to what you say about diversity is why? Like, why do you care? Like, why do you feel like that's even important? I feel like I feel like it's important for the same reason that that Dr. King thought it was important, because if we don't have a semblance of of balance, a semblance of everybody knowing who everybody is, then it will be another point in time where slavery is okay, where um, oppression is not just being oppressed. It it can always be much worse than it is. And I feel like if, if people don't come together and I mean, I understand that not everybody will. This is just a broad spectrum. I'm not stupid. I know that people, this more than likely won't happen. But it, but the people who have an offset to that idea have to know that their people fought for a right to be included into things for a reason. Now you may not have asked to be brought here, but you're here. So is it going to be a struggle the whole time? Do you want that struggle the whole time? Or is it a, or is it? It's only a struggle when you're trying to engage with white people. If you disengage from dealing with them. So if your bosses is white, just, just you say hi, you say bye, you do your job. That's it. Is it your so, job to fucking engage about diversity? Hell no, no. Not about diversity, but it is diversity if you're working there. When I say diversity, I don't mean engage in a conversation to make them understand. I mean, simply, there are some people who don't want to associate themselves with white people or with um, uh, anybody who is not a minority or anybody who is not black. And I just feel like, well, why? That's so that's so close-minded I'm open to I'm an international lover I love everybody and I don't feel like I shouldn't have my one of my good friends is in uh London right now so am I not supposed to be her friend because uh somebody says oh well why are you worried about it why do you want to be diversified because there are people whom I love that are of a different race you can be anybody's friend nobody said you can't be anybody's friend you can be anybody's friend But do I think that you have to or that it is your job or anybody else's job to explain anything to anyone? No, my answer is no. Now, if you personally decide, just like I always say, me personally, if you personally decide that that's the cross that you want to die on, educated white people, you can go right ahead. Like, that's your prerogative. Like, I can't. Like I say, if the opportunity presents itself, there's always going to be an opportunity that somebody might or might not have. That's your business. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but I don't think, I don't think that maybe not that it's necessary. I just don't think, I don't, I don't encourage people to do that. Also, not everybody can do that. People find that to be really taxing and draining on their mental health, on their emotions, on their, on their well-being. 
Um, so I don't encourage people to do that. That's not something that I feel like anybody has to do. It's very difficult work. Again, if you personally feel like that's something you can do and can handle in any capacity, if it just comes up or if you seek it out or whatever, that's you, that's you personally. But I don't think that that's anybody's responsibility. And I don't really think that it's healthy. Like, I don't really, again, like, I don't really think that it's healthy. Again, if it's nine times out of 10, that 10th white person might be the one, but like nine times before that, you had to shoot yourself in the head. Like, that's not good odds. And I would not encourage anyone to do it. And I also don't think, I also feel like, kind of like what I was saying earlier, we were talking about capitalism, how you can't ignore a superpower. Like, studies have also shown that nine times out of 10, if you let people just kind of do their own thing instead of forcing them together, forcing integration, forcing quote unquote diversity, people will tend to gravitate towards each other because we are humans and humans are social creatures. You know, if, if, if a black superpower emerged with our own black conglomerates and our own black businesses and our own black communities. Obviously we would have to work with white owned conglomerates and things like that, but they would respect us because we would have our own money and we would have our own shit instead of trying to sit there and talk to them about their shit. That's just how I feel. Toni Morrison gave a really great lecture that I highly recommend if, if you guys haven't heard it. In 1975 at Portland State University, it's like on SoundCloud, it's on YouTube, where she talks about, you know, do do your work, black people doing our work as black people. She says, you know, it's not your job to explain to change the mind of racists. It's not your job to explain to anyone why you're here and how you got to be here and what the work is that you're supposed to be doing. You know, a white person says that you don't have a language. So you spend all this time trying to prove to them that you do and explain your language and explain how you talk. They say you can't make art that you spend all this time trying to explain to them. Instead, you could be using that time to make art. Instead, you could be using that time to, to make your language. You know, instead you could be using that time and that energy, that emotional energy, that mental energy to build yourself up and to do your work. But instead you're explaining your work over and over to people that are committed to misunderstanding you. Why? And she says, she's like, you know, and there's people that are never going to change. It doesn't matter what you say or do. They believe that you are inherently inferior because of the color of your skin, which in and of itself is unreasonable. So you're already trying to talk reason to an unreasonable person what kind of went through that you know i talk about my coon phase but then i got into my pro-black phase which really was more i want to prove to white people that i'm an acceptable You're black sorry. person phase and it was kind of like well you know i will i will repost the stuff on twitter that's like well these aren't really our names aren't really ghetto names because they're rooted in african words or uh, A-A-V-E is a real language because it has all this stuff, which is true and cool. But if you're, like you said, if you're spending all your time trying to prove yourself worthy to white people, it's like you're literally wasting your life away. You could be living your fullest, blackest life, but you over here just making sure white people see you. And like I said, that Toni Morrison speech was from 1975. And like, here we are in 2018, like still like still using relevant. it. Still, yeah, it's still relevant. Yeah. I've never felt the need to prove to anybody anything. And like you say, I am from the South too. I've, been, I've had numerous people call me all sorts of things. But, you know, you just say they're ignorant and you walk away because there are some people you can't talk to. <laughs> like I said, I grew up in D.C., like not around a ton of white people, which I know has also influenced like my opinion. Like I know that like 
My grandmother called our white male lady a cracker to her face for 20 years. That's the way that I grew up. Like, I'm not with the shit. Like, you're not going to fucking disrespect me, white person. Like, uh-uh. But I know people that grew up, you know, in other places and in different ways. And, of course, that's just me. We can only all speak for ourselves, obviously. And if you feel fulfilled by, like, what you do and the conversations that you have, if it's something that you feel like is important, totally cool. I don't care. That's right. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much, Serena. Stop right. you. Why you muting me, girl? She muted me. The white lady. See that? That's what we talking about. You can't trust these folks. White people all trying to take us out. Even on the podcast, I'm taking over, man. Um. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for Serena for coming out. Oh, this was a a wonderful, wonderful conversation. We know it's going to start a lot of conversation so we'll make sure to add you <laughs> so, so that you can can experience some of the stuff that we receive so angry yeah i'm like i'm chilling i'm not even mad that's just how i talk i lived in new york for six years like i'm aggressive <laughs> oh we got somebody for you i'm a, uh he'll he'll be in your mentions watch <laughs> oh god right after the second tweet you're gonna block him watch (laughs) but uh thank you thank you so much for for coming on here and uh for sharing for sharing um with us and we'll put all your stuff in the description but can you please um again tell everybody where they can find you listen to your youtube and uh hit you up on social media Um, you can type in Seren Sensei on YouTube. You can type in So Comma About That on YouTube, and you'll find me. You can type in hashtag Yes All White People, and you will definitely find me <laughs> along with the scores of angry response videos from angry white guys on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> find me at Seren underscore Sensei, I believe, on Twitter, on Instagram, and Snap is Seren with four S's. And uh, if you do find me on YouTube, which hopefully you will, all my information is also there as well on my about page and my email if anyone wants to email me. And uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It was really, really a great conversation. And again, I'm not mad. I hope nobody thinks I'm mad at them. Like, it's all good. <laughs> no. We're used to this type of stuff. Yeah, we like having these type of conversations. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen the great plan? It's like a show that I'm on. We'd be on there like yelling and screaming at each other. And then yeah, that's, as soon as us. The- <laughs> that's us. That's us. Yeah, as soon as the camera stop rolling, we're like eating pizza and taking shots. Like it's all love. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, yeah, of course, hit her hit her up. Let us let her know that we sent you. And while you're at it, make sure you hit us up as well on our social media pages. On Facebook at Talk It Out Podcast, Instagram at Talk It Out Podcast, and Twitter at Talk It Out underscore Pod. Remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Talk It Out, as well as um, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, ACAST, and TIO Podcast.com slash episodes. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to this episode. Share it with your friends. This has been your girl, Gabby. Enjoy. And Kate. With our special guest, Seren, and this has been Talk It Out Podcast. Talk it out. Talk it out.